go beyond the basics. We'll talk about that. Number two, to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Let me say that again. To fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Guys, I know many of you didn't come here to hear this this morning, but you're going to. Hell is a real place. And we need to be burdened for every person who's headed there. Amen? And we need to understand how significant it is when we walk away or don't fully grab a hold of our Savior. And then lastly, in a call to spiritual maturity, he's called us to live a life that bears fruit. So let's begin in verse 1, looking at, again, the, these, a call to maturity. Number First thing he's calling us to do is to go beyond the basics, beyond salvation. Again, salvation is wonderful. We, should all, we need to be saved, amen? Before anything else can happen, you need to be saved. If you're here this morning and you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, Jesus said it, Paul said it, John the Baptist said it, and you know what? We need to keep saying it. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen? That was kind of weak, actually. Amen? Amen. All right. So we need to turn to give our lives to Jesus Christ. But that's not the finish line in the Christian walk. It's not the get out, the get out of hell free card and put it in my wallet and live like the world. God has called us to live set apart lives, to be sanctified unto him. Let's take a look at how he encourages them to do just that. Verse six, chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles. Excuse me. I'm a hard time this morning. The word therefore, when you see it, you ask, what's it there for? And it always replies back to the previous chapter. So in light of what he just said about their dullness toward the word, about the milk of the word, in light of what he had just taught them, he says, let us now leave the discussion of elementary principles. Seeing that you should no longer be babies in your faith, is what he's telling them. Now how do you respond? Knowing that we need to mature, that we do need to grow up, Let's move past the ABCs of what it means to be a Christian. Go beyond salvation into that, that sanctification process. And again, not to be happy to be a Christian toddler all your life. Now the word elementary principles means these are the things that are essential for growth. But as I just said, it should not end there. Guys, if all we did was learn our ABCs, how foolish would that be? It would just be stupid. We know a bunch of letters, we couldn't do anything with them, right? At some point, we need to you know, be able to form words and sentences and read and communicate. And the same is true. If we just know the elementary principles of the faith, that's a wonderful place to start. But at some point, we need to grow deeper to where we can communicate it with others. Amen? To where we can take what God has shown us and we don't just you know, have it ourselves, but we're able to give it out to those around us. You learn the ABCs. But God has so much more. So these elementary principles are the basic building blocks. They're essential, absolutely essential, but they must be built upon. Otherwise, all you're going to have is a foundation without a structure. And again, foundation is absolutely essential, but we shouldn't stop there. Then he says, let us go on to perfection. Uh-oh. Let us go on to perfection. I, I'm never going to be able to do that. You're right, you won't. The word perfection there means, it's a better, better translation, is maturity. Let us go on to maturity or completeness in Christ. It's not you working harder to be more like Him. It's you dying to yourself so you become more like Him. Amen? It's not your efforts. It's not you trying. It's you resting and trusting 
in him. So the word there, let us go on, it can also be translated, let us be carried forward. So who's carrying us? Jesus is. He's the one who carries us. He's the one who conforms us into his image. He's the one that moves in our lives. You know, it is good that God who he, he enables us to grow. And how do we grow? As we yield to him, as we receive his word, and we act upon it. A baby doesn't make himself grow. How does he grow? He grows as he eats, as he sleeps, as he exercises. So too we grow as we feed on the word, as we rest in him, in obedience to his word, and we exercise ourselves towards godliness. So, if we don't eat, feed on his word. If we don't sleep, rest in him. If we don't exercise, act upon his word, we won't grow. Let me say that again. If we don't eat, feed on his word. If we don't sleep, rest in him. If we don't exercise, act upon his word, we won't grow and we will be Christian infants forever. Lord, help us to mature in our faith. Amen? Help us to go beyond just being those infants who... Because you know what an infant does? Infant thinks only of himself. You ever notice that? Babies are not thinking about anyone else. Now, as much as they might smile at you and you love them to death and they're wonderful. I got four kids and... They're, they're awesome. But at the same time, if they're hungry, they will scream at 2 a.m. until you get up and feed them, right? Is that true or not? That's what they do. Why? Because it's all about me. And here's the point. As we grow in our faith, it's going to go beyond about being about us and being about him and reaching others for him. Amen? God wants us to move past that. Just being, again, thankful for what he's done in my life. Important, absolutely. But the Great Commission is then to go out and minister to others and use the gifts he's given us. So let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to spiritual maturity from the elementary things to a life of deeper faith and a relationship with him. Then he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So he says, not going back to those elementary things again, but we need to understand what those things are. What are those building blocks? It begins with repentance. Again, a word that's not popular in the church today. But guys, without repentance, there is no salvation. You cannot be saved apart from repentance. What does that word mean? It doesn't mean just to feel bad about your sin. Amen? Feeling bad about your sin and continuing on in it, your life will not be changed. What needs to happen is because the law is that mirror that reveals our sin, when, it, when it's revealed to us, it grips our heart, we're convicted, and now we realize we must turn from our sin and to the Lord. The word repent means to turn. Guys, when you were born again, it should have been a 180 in your life. Amen? Everything changed. My passions changed. My priorities changed. The things that are, that are important to me the passion of my, everything is different now. Why? Because I used to be going this way away from God and now I'm running toward him. Guys, we need to build upon that foundation. That's where it starts. It starts with repentance. The turning point, turning from those things and unto the Lord. But he says there, the foundation of repentance from dead works. You know what? Works only bring about death. That's exactly what they do. In context, dead works of religion that they were being drawn back to. Guys, you can crawl on your knees to, on glass to Mecca 5,000 miles and it won't get you any closer to God. 
You can go to Mass, you can go to church, you can go to every ritual under the sun, you can keep every sacrament, and you know what? It won't mean anything if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. And actually those works are dead because they make you think that somehow you're earning it apart from Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And you're not going to be saved by your good works, by any ritual, by any religion. It's only through a relationship with Him. Amen? And He's saying, turn away from those dead works, those things that you think are somehow earning you salvation, drawing you closer to God. That's not the answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. Turning from dead works. And it says, and of faith toward God. We must not only turn from sin, as, but as I said, toward God. We must have faith in the only one who can redeem us. Repentance is to feel and see the need for God's mercy, and then faith, we find where that mercy comes from, our Savior. We see the need, and now we need to go find the one who can fill it. And there's only one, and I know I'm being repetitive, but that's okay, because we need to hear it again and again and again. It's Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only one. So repentance and faith, actions toward God, it's the initiation of a spiritual life. Until that happens, you don't have a spiritual life. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. That's what the Bible says. Pastor, I just came here for a visit. I had no, I, I don't know people, I, I'm now I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I'm dead. That's what I heard today. Yes, yes, and yes. Amen? Here's the point, guys. The point is, we got a lot of real spiritual people in Santa Cruz, don't we? They're all about it. Worshiping trees and chanting to the moon god. You know, when we were at Men at the Vets Hall, they had people chanting to the moon god. We had people that worshiped the spirit of a dead jazz musician. You think I'm kidding. But that's Santa Cruz. Oh, but he's so spiritual. No, he's not. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. Now, we should never be self-righteous about that. What we should do is be brokenhearted to realize they need Jesus. Guys, we're living in a world today where we have religious leaders saying, it's okay as long as you're sincere. As long as you're sincere. You know, there was a Methodist pastor, an Episcopal pastor on the radio not long ago, and I heard them saying that very thing. Well, you can be a Buddhist, you can be a Hindu, you can be any, as long as you're sincere. I know Jesus is my path, but he's not everybody's path. Dude, you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. He's the only path. And so they're dead in their trespasses and sins. Guys, spiritual maturity is coming to grips with the fact that we need to repent and give our lives fully to Jesus Christ. That's a word for many of us in the room this morning. It's time to be, no longer be satisfied with lukewarm Christianity. To no longer give Jesus an hour every other week. But to make him the priority in our lives. Then he says, of dead works, of faith toward God, verse 2, of the doctrine of baptism. Now what is baptism? If you haven't been baptized, let me exhort you, encourage you in love to get baptized next Sunday. Baptism is not essential for salvation because as soon as you add to the cross, you now have a works-based salvation. And salvation is a free gift. If you had to earn it, it would be a paycheck. Amen? Now, at all that being said, should we be baptized? What's the answer? It is an outward statement of an inward change. It's a picture of what has happened to us. It's a public testimony before the entire world that I want to be recognized with my Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, if you haven't been baptized, what in the world are you waiting for? 
Do you not want to be recognized with him? I don't care how cold the water is. He hung on a cross for us. It's going some cold water for him. Amen? It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. That we died to the person we used to be, and now we're new creations in him. And he's saying, that's a great thing, but we need to go beyond that. That's what he's telling them. These are the essentials. We need to go beyond that. Baptism is wonderful. We should be baptized. We need to let the whole world know our relationship with the Lord. But as we grow spiritually, we'll start there, not end there. Then he says, of laying on of hands. My personal, your pastor's opinion, I believe this is a picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When they, in those days, they would lay hands on people to recognize their gifting or calling, and they would pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. When they sent someone out in ministry, they would lay hands on them and pray for them. So this can be a picture of both the baptism of the Spirit and being commissioned into ministry. Again, as we're growing spiritually, it goes from repentance to a burden for the lost, to a public confession, and now to being filled with the Holy Spirit and commissioned by God to be used for His glory. Do we see the maturity happening here? Go past the dullness toward the Word and start growing in your faith. That's what he's exhorting these guys. Now remember, these are the guys who are thinking about going back to Judaism. And he's telling them, guys, you need to grow up. Don't go back, move forward with him. Amen? Paul said, this one thing I do, I leave that which is behind, and I press onward in the upward calling of Christ Jesus. And the enemy wants to drag you back to the old stuff and remind you of the past and drag you back there. And Paul, who was killing Christians as Saul of Tarsus, says, this one thing I do, I leave that which is behind. Guys, we need to leave it behind, amen? And start walking forward in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And again, they're set apart to ministry. We see the baptism of the Spirit or the laying on of hands. And then it says, of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment now he's speaking of the future we know that jesus is risen but do you know that all will rise all will rise there is a future resurrection and that resurrection is coming and we need to see that the belief in the resurrection of jesus is essential for salvation if you do not believe that jesus christ rose from the dead you are not a christian amen, amen. people try to say what well, doesn't really matter if he rose from the dead are you out of your mind then we could say, well, what about Buddha? Well, see, Buddha's dead, and we could dig up his bones, right? Hari Krishna, Mary Baker, Eddie, Charles Taze Russell, every spiritual leader, every cult leader that ever came, Joseph Smith, we can dig up their bones, right? Jesus Christ, risen and living Savior, triumphed over sin and death. We serve a living God, amen? amen. And it is absolutely essential that we understand that he is risen. Now, He's not just speaking of that resurrection, that's where it starts, but of the future resurrection of both the saved and the lost. And then it says, to what? Eternal judgment. Man, I, I picked the wrong week to come to church. <laughs> I repent, sinner, I'm dead in my sin, now eternal judgment, right? Isn't it great to just go right through the Bible because we get all of it, amen? <laughs> and we just plow through scripture. You know, these are chapters, if you just bounce around the Bible, you read, oh, I think I ought to go by that one, let's go chapter <laughs> You know, well, people are going to get uncomfortable. You know what, guys? If you go to a church where you're not being convicted, you're in the wrong place. Amen. Holy Spirit should bring conviction, amen? amen? And guys, let me just encourage you. You spend an hour listening to it. I spent 30 hours of God just dealing with me first, amen? 
as I prepare and study for every Sunday. So don't, I'm speaking with you, not at you. And so he says there of eternal judgment. Now, there are two judgments that will take place. There's the great white throne judgment, and then the judgment that is known as the Bema seat judgment. Now, you and I, if you're a born-again Christian, you will not be at the great white throne judgment. Why? You have been forgiven. And aren't you glad? Amen? And guys, we ought to be pretty excited about that. Amen? I mean, I know what the sins I've committed. I can't believe it. He knows everything I've ever done, and He loves me anyway. What a great God. Amen? He who knows you best loves you most. He knows stuff about your spouse doesn't know. Your parents don't know. And He still loves you. You think you've hidden it. He knows, right? And He still loves you. And what's so great is we will not be there. But let me tell you what will happen. Unbelievers will be there. And they will stand before Almighty God. And the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But sadly, it will be too late. Because they will have sin that has not been paid for. Though the gift was offered freely, they had rejected it. You know what? Every person, I believe, on this planet has an opportunity, if not many opportunities, to come to know Christ. The people that go to hell will run through a stop sign, you know, of the Lord trying to keep them from it over and over and over. And eventually, He will give them what they've asked for. Lord, I don't want you. Lord, I don't need you. I can do it myself. I can go my own way. I got my own path. I got my own pattern. I'm going to do my own thing over and over and over. And eventually, they'll be given the very thing they've asked for. And it's heartbreaking. And we need to be burdened for those people. But you know what? That judgment is coming. And if we forget that, we will lose our sense of urgency in sharing with the lost. Amen? Amen? Amen. All of a sudden, it won't matter. Well, you know, God will send someone else. No, God sent you. You're there. Amen? If you wait for Billy Graham to show up at your office, he's probably not coming anytime soon. Amen? So it's time for you and I to step out and be the tools in the hands of our master that God would use us because that eternal judgment is coming. Guys, this life is but a vapor. And I know I'm going to date myself even though I'm just in my mid-40s, but I'll tell you what, every year goes by quicker. And really, when you have children, it really goes, no, I got a married daughter. How did that happen? I'm going to be called grandpa at some point. You know what I mean? But here's the point. Here's the point. And that's all wonderful. It's great stuff. But you know what? It's so quick. The Bible says it's but a vapor. And guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter. God, get our eyes back on what really matters in life. Guys, we can miss out on what is best pursuing that which is good. You can be pursuing something that's not ungodly, that's not necessarily wrong, but if we do too much of it, it becomes wrong because it keeps us from doing what God's called us to do. So do we have to go sell everything and go live on a street? No. But wherever you are, be busy about His work. Amen? Amen. God's blessed you, then be faithful. So at the eternal judgment, they'll come forward, and a lot of people, and it's arrogance beyond belief when people say, well, I've got, got some things I'm going to tell God when I get... You're not going to tell Him anything. Have you ever met people like that? I've got a few questions for God when I get up there. Dude, you're going to be flat on your face, weeping, saying nothing. Amen? And so here's the point. They're going to stand before Almighty God, and they're going to be judged and found wanting. And they're going to have no... And I, I, you know, I don't know how it's going to work. This is just Pastor Dave's imagination, but I, I have an idea. This is probably pretty close to being accurate. I have an idea that when they stand before Him on Judgment Day, somehow... He's going to play for them every opportunity they had to be saved. First, he's going to show them all their sin. And game over. Case closed. 
And then, and here was every opportunity you had to know me. Here was another one. Here was another one. Here was another one. For some of you, it may be September 2nd, 2008 at Calvary Chapel Santa Cruz. 2007, excuse me. Tea time is going really fast. <laughs> but it might be today. That's another one of those opportunities. Now, there is another judgment that's coming too. It's the Bema Seat judgment. This is the judgment for believers. Well, I didn't think we we're going to be judged. We're not going to be judged for salvation. But we are going to be judged on how faithful we were to use the gifts he's given us for his glory. The Bible says he's going to give us crowns. You might say, well, I, don't, I just want to get to heaven. I don't need any crowns. And, and I understand that. I'm kind of with you. But if he says we should desire it, then we should desire it. Amen? Amen? And most people, myself included, believe that when he gives us the crowns, all we're going to do is cast them back at his feet. Because that's exactly where they belong. Amen? And I don't want to show up in heaven empty-handed. How about you? Amen? And so there is a heaven and hell. And all will spend eternity in one or the other. And it all depends on what we've done with God's Son. Nothing else will matter. I do a lot of funerals. I said this recently. I do a lot of funerals. and I've yet to meet anybody who, who thought their child wasn't in heaven. Or every, there's always somebody who says, oh yeah, when he was seven, he, he, he went to Christian camp. Well, guys, it's more than that. Amen? And again, praise God for But we always want to grasp for some experience somewhere in their life to find hope. And I totally understand that. I really do. But guys, the truth is, if we've been born again, our life will be transformed and everybody will know it. Amen? Amen? It won't be this thing where we're trying to find something. Flipping through their scrapbook, trying to find something. Maybe there's something. And I understand the desperation. But guys, we need to live a life sold out and set apart unto Him. Repentance, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection, eternal judgment. These are the foundations of the Christian faith. And that's where it all starts. Again, it's the starting point, not the finish line. And you know what's sad about all of this? These being the ABCs of Christianity, these are the very things that are, have ceased to be taught in most churches in America today. This is the starting point. We're not even teaching the ABCs. Why are we having school? Amen? We're not, if we don't even open up the ABCs, we're not reading Janet and Mark. Remember that book, right? If we're not reading you know, those basic things that you learn as a kid, if we're not doing that in the church, what in the world are we doing? What we're doing is we've turned the church into a religious country club. We've turned it into a social gathering. We've turned it away. We've turned it into trying to gather masses of people instead of making disciples. But that's not what Jesus said. He said to go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a learner, a follower. Guys, are you followers of Jesus Christ? Is he your best friend? Are you married to him? Are you in love with him? Is he the passion of your life? Is he first on the list? That's what it means to be a Christian. And that's the starting point, not the finish line. Amen? Amen. That was really weak. Amen? Amen. Okay, hey, guys, he's the passion. You get, can, you, can you tell I've been to a men's retreat? I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. It's okay. Amen. So he's saying to them, it's just the ABCs. But you know what? There's so much more. All 66 books that are in your lap. All 40 authors, all three continents, three languages, over 1,500 years. You've heard me say it 100 times. You know, it's all, you know, 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, three languages, 1,500 years, one central theme, no contradictions. How is that possible? God wrote it. And if God wrote it, we ought to read it. Amen. And we not only should read it, but we should apply it to our lives. Not just know what it says and live contrary to it like we do with the speed limit. Amen? 
I know it's 55, but I'm going 80. But, you know, we should not do that with the Word of God. Amen? Amen. But so this very book that's in your hand ought to be something you're in all day, every day. Sunday ought to be gravy for what you're spending time with the Lord all week long. But sad we're void of these principles. The, sim- the simple truth of the Word of God has been watered down so as not to offend the very person that is headed to the great white throne judgment and we separated from God for all eternity and all we've done is make them feel comfortable in their sin by not bringing the truth out that they need a Savior. Lord, help us. Lord, help us in the church today. Bring revival. Verse 3, And this we will do if God permits. Guys, this is the expression of our complete and total dependence upon God. What can you do without Him? Nothing. nothing. You know what the word in the original language for nothing is? Nothing. Without Him, you can do nothing. I can't share my... No, you can't. I can't you, no. So, guys, how desperate are we, are we to be to Him? You know, I said at the ministry chief this last week, I said... He was talking about Peter in, in Acts chapter 4. And I said they marveled they were untrained men. They'd been with Jesus. We talked on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said they, they commanded Peter not to share his faith anymore. Well, that was going to work. Here's the point. Telling a spirit-filled believer to stop sharing his faith is like telling him to stop breathing. Stop breathing. Now. Well, that's not going to work. And the same is true when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit. They can't help but tell others about their savior amen Amen. guys if we're mum about our savior lord we need to die to our flesh and be filled with you so we will not be ashamed of you anymore we're fully dependent upon our savior if we do press on to maturity it's only going to happen as god moves in us point number two we call the spiritual maturity to go beyond the basics beyond salvation into sanctification sanctification just means being set apart unto the lord at salvation you were justified just as if you never sinned then after being justified you're in the process of being sanctified set apart unto the lord until one day you will be glorified when you're in heaven and you will not have this dead carcass you haul around anymore amen and you will sin no more so justified being sanctified until the day we're glorified that's christianity right there all right and so God wants us to move past justification and to be, to be sanctified until the day we are glorified. The second point of a call to spiritual maturity is to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus. Now remember, the temptation at this very moment for the guys reading this letter was to turn from Jesus back to Judaism. I've said this before, I'll say it again. It's happening in the church today. God's not done with the Jewish people. They're still His chosen people. God wants to do great things in them. The Jewish people today, not not individual Jewish people, but Judaism is in rebellion against God. We do not need to go and learn from them. We need to go and minister to them and point them to the Messiah that they missed 2,000 years ago. Amen? And sadly, we see in the church, we need to go back and discover our... Look, I love the Old Testament. Come on Wednesday night, I'll prove it to you, okay? I love it. But I love it because it all points to Jesus, amen? Amen. That's why I love it. The Old Testament would mean nothing to me if it didn't point to Jesus. But it does point to our Savior. So we need to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting the Lord because these very people were at that very moment in their lives where they had embraced Jesus as the Messiah to some level, as we're going to talk about in the next verses. But now the temptation was to go back to something more solid. There's a building There's robes, 
There's trumpets being blown. There's sacrifices being made. And we're meeting in houses. And our leader left. Right? Jesus went back to heaven, right? And we're sitting here looking at each other in houses. And people are trying to kill us. Let's go back to the, let's go back to the big church down the street, in a sense, right? Let's go back to the temple. Guys, the church is not a building. We are the church. You and I. Amen? And wherever we meet, that's the church, including a gymnasium. And aren't you glad? Amen? So the temptation is coming from family and friends and persecution from the world to go back. They're being lured away from their faith and their salvation in Christ alone to a works-based salvation, to lead the simplicity of the truth of the gospel, the work of Calvary, and to go back to rituals and sacrifices, to to seek salvation through religion and the keeping of those very same rituals. The writer of the Hebrews responds now, and these next three verses are very debated throughout Christianity, and I'm going to share that with you. But I want you to know, this is one of the strongest exhortations in the Bible. You're thinking about leaving Jesus? Let me talk to you. And when he does it, and I believe it's the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul is going to bring it straight. Hard to imagine that. But look at verse 4. He says, For it is impossible. Now, the word there means without strength, powerless, or unable to be done. What he's about to say is, it is impossible. You cannot do it. Now what's interesting is the only other times this very same word is used in the book of Hebrews, three other times, it says it is impossible for God to lie. In Hebrews 10, 4, it says it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. That's kind of key. Amen. That's exactly what he's telling them. It's impossible for that blood sacrifice to do you any good. And then thirdly, without faith, it is impossible to please God. They were being drawn back to the blood of bulls and goats away from the shed blood of our Savior upon the cross. And he's telling them, he starts off with, it is impossible. It is only a lack of faith in Christ Jesus and his completed work upon the cross that would allow them to go back. Guys, once you meet Jesus, stop looking. Amen? You know, we repeat, where else are we going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life but you, Lord? Amen? Well, I'm just checking out some other. And again, people bring me books, and I'm not afraid to read them. They go, well, I'll say, well, I'll make you a deal. You read the Gospel of John and write me a paper on it, and I'll read whatever book you want me to read. Because I'm not worried about it. But here's the point. We don't need to be going out and studying every other world religion under the sun unless we're called to be an apologist. Let's just study the real thing and we'll know how to answer all the other world religions. Amen? Let's read the Bible and we'll be ready. Instead of, you know, guys, I've been a Christian 40 years. And you know what? I feel like I know the Bible this much. And it's a thousand feet deep. Guys, we need to keep studying. Stay in the word of God. It's the living, breathing word of God. He says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. I'm going to go through these three verses and then go back and touch on them. Enlightened, to have an experience. To experience the light of God shining upon them. That's what it means. It's impossible for those who've had the light of God shined upon them. To have some understanding of who God is. Then it says, and have tasted the heavenly gift. To taste to try the flavor of, to partake, to experience. The word heavenly gift, I believe, 
It's Jesus. To have tasted the heavenly gift. God the Father sent His Son. It's impossible for those who've been enlightened to the truth, who have tasted the heavenly gift of Jesus Christ. That's what He said so far. And then it says, and have have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. So not only have they tasted the heavenly gift, not only you know, have they been enlightened to the truth, but they've been partakers of the Holy Spirit. They've experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. The conviction, they're conscious of Him, and possibly even in fellowship with Him. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to go through these three verses, then come back. Verse 5. And have tasted the good word of of God. They've opened up the word of God and they've recognized it. They've tasted the truth of it. Not only heard it, but seen its truth at work in their own lives and in the lives of others. And it says, not only have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. This describes the supernatural power of God. They've witnessed firsthand God doing the miraculous. People being healed, lame walking, blind seeing, dead raised to life. And the word age to come means world to come. In contrast with the course of this world, they now have a realization of Christ coming back. Now look what this says. If they fall away. The word there means to fall beside, to turn aside, to deviate from the right path, to renounce the truth. In context, to reject Jesus and go back to Judaism. If they turn aside, if they fall away, if they turn away from Jesus Christ and back to the old sacrifices, if they run back to the blood of bulls and goats and turn away from the Savior, if they fall away, if they reject grace for dead works. If they do that, it is impossible, look what it says, to renew them again to repentance. So what is the writer saying? If they retreat back to Judaism, all the religious repentance in the world will do them no good. Guys, we need to understand the context or we are going to be really messed up by these verses. These are verses that people come to the pastor all the time, they've read verse 6 and they think they're toast. Because they'll say, If I fall away, I can't be renewed again. So I was saved, then I sinned, so I'm done. I can't be saved again. Guys, context. Remember, you've heard me say it before. If you take the text out of context, all you got left is a con, right? Amen? Guys, the context is he's speaking to Jewish believers who are contemplating walking away from Jesus to turn themselves over to dead works. He's not talking about somebody who sinned. He's talking about someone who rejects Jesus. Do you understand that? This is very important. Because people walk around feeling condemned all, but I sinned. Yes, you did, and you do every day. Amen? All have sinned. We all sin. So here's the point. He's not condemning sinners. He came to save lost sinners. What he's talking about here are those who turn away from Jesus, again, the context, and go back to dead works as their source of salvation. And if they do, no matter how many religious rituals they they fall into, how many they do, they will not renew themselves to repentance that way. Guys, you cannot be saved through all the rituals in the world. Repentance only comes by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. But I turned from my bad works, and I turned to Buddha. You know what? You're just as spiritually dead as you were before. 
Now you're just following a big, fat, dead guy. Amen? Here's the point. The point is, guys, it's not repentance if we turn from something to something else that's just as lost. And he's saying to them, this will not work. There is no repentance if you continue on, if you turn from Christ and turn to something else. It says then, look at this part. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Guys, the forsaking of Jesus is tantamount to crucifying him all over again. And especially if they were to express their repentance in the way the Jewish people would. What did they do to express repentance? They slayed animals. So the cross has already happened. They're going to go back and start sacrificing lambs again. But the lambs were pointing to Jesus, right? And so what he's saying is they go back and sacrifice lambs again. It's as if they're crucifying the Savior over You know, they're trying to find salvation in something that is not the source. It was all pointing to Jesus. It is finished. And aren't you glad those are his last words on the cross? Amen? It's finished. We don't go back and do this anymore. If you go back, there will be no, you can't do enough to be, to be saved. You can't do enough to come to a place of repentance through those dead works. Guys, I hope we grasp this. Because this is a verse that people struggle with all day long. Again, It is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. You go back to the temple, you'll never be saved. You turn away from Jesus to follow any other path, you will never find salvation. You will never find nirvana. There are not, you know, there is not a heaven out there with 70 virgins waiting for you. Contrary to what those guys who flew the planes into the towers, they had a real rude awakening after they hit the tower, didn't they? They thought that there were 70 virgins waiting for them and they were going to be elevated to godhood and instead they were at the, you know, they're being judged by the creator of the universe. Guys, it is, this, you know, guys, this is not practice. This is not a rehearsal. We get one chance to serve him. Amen? We get one chance to know him. There needs to be an urgency in our heart. Having experienced the truth of God's word firsthand, they witnessed his supernatural power. They've been enlightened to the truth of the gospel, to the person of Jesus Christ, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Then it says, if they fall away. How is that possible? And again, we make the mistake saying, well, wait a minute. Uh, Can I do that then? Can I fall away? Okay, there's great debate here. And I'm just going to give you the sides real quickly. There are those who believe that you cannot lose your faith, but you can walk away from it. You can't lose it, but you can't walk away. I do not believe in the context that's taught here. I just don't. Pastor Dave's opinion, okay? Guys who I respect a great deal, who know the Bible a lot better than I do, would disagree with me. So I'm just being as transparent with you as I can be. But you've got to understand something. We don't look at the context of the chapter. We look at the context of the whole Bible. And in the context of the whole Bible, repeatedly we are told we're adopted into his family. No one will ever snatch us out of his hand. That we're his children, sealed by the Holy Spirit. That we are seated with him in heavenly places, even right now. That's not something that can be lost, amen? Now, at the same time, I don't have any concern about losing my salvation. But I'll tell you what else. I have no desire or plan to ever walk away from Jesus either. Amen? Amen? Amen. You know, as, pa- as Raul Reese says, man, you know what, man, you're not abiding, you're not going, man. <laughs> you know, we need to be abiding in Christ, amen? 
pressing into the kingdom of God, passionately in love with Him. And so if we're abiding, we have nothing to... Because some people, well, no, you can walk away. Guys, I don't believe we walk away. I believe there are people that pretend to be saved that never were. They have a, you know, the Lord even said it. You know, we cast out demons in your name. We, you know, we did miracles in your name. He says, depart from me, for I used to know you. Is that what he says? Depart from me, for I never knew you. You were never my son. I love the fact that we adopt. You can disown your birth child, but you cannot disown an adopted child. And I love that because he will never disown us. Amen? Now, that being said, that should not give us a reason for cheap grace. Well, I've been adopted. Can't get rid of me. He's stuck with me now. So I'm just going to, you know, hey, guys, press into the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Press in, pursue. And here's what I believe. If you are his child, you will press in. If you are his child, you will abide. If you are his child, the conviction of the Holy Spirit will keep you right where you belong. Other people believe this is a hypothetical. Well, they're saying if it happened, then they'd have to crucify the Savior again, so there's no way it could happen. I don't know if I, if I catch that or not, but there's some guys that really believe that with their whole heart. And they say, this is just a hypothetical. Guys, here's the point. Abide, you'll have nothing to worry about. Pursue God, make Him the passion of your life. We do not want to put our Savior to an open shame, amen? We do not want to reject Jesus in the favor of an animal sacrifice. We want to make Him the passion and the priority of our lives. His atoning work. If we make that meaningless, we have no salvation. All the religious trappings and rituals of the world cannot pay for even one sin. And you and I can put ten zeros after that. Amen? You can't do enough to get rid of one sin. And we've had millions. The key to applying this text, again, is just keep being reminded of the text, the context. Who is he writing to? He's writing to people who were once enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, partakers of the Holy Spirit, tasted the good word of God, the powers of the age to come. Sure sounds like they're Christians, but then they fall away. And again, can Christians fall away? I thought we are secure. Guys, if you're a Christian, you won't fall away. If you truly love God, you won't fall away. It's not my job to judge between a backslider and an apostate. You know the difference? Apostate is someone who walks away from God never to return. A backslider is someone who falls away and, you know what, then does return. And you know what, if they return, they were always his. Amen? That's the point. We had a guy at one of the churches my dad pastored who was an assistant pastor who did weddings, who was one of those biblically knowledgeable guys I know, and then he came in one day and said, you know what? I reject God, I'm a homosexual, and I leave. And he left. And he still lives that lifestyle 10 years later. Now some would say he lost his salvation, I would say he was never saved. Because if he knew my Savior, he would have never walked away. Amen? The passion and the power of who he is, is what ought to transform our lives. But again, let me say this. Some people say these people were saved. Some people say they had a taste of salvation. They weren't really saved. I don't know for sure whether they were saved or not. But here's the point, guys. Press in. Don't walk away. Make him the passion of your life. You'll have nothing to fear. But what's the point I want to make very clear. This is not, this falling away is not someone sinning. Can I say, I'm going to save myself 100 counseling sessions. Okay, look. People come in all the time, but I blew it. 
I've fallen away now. I can't, I can never be restored. The Bible says in verse 6, Hebrews 10, look, I've read it a thousand, I've underlined it so many times, I put a hole in my Bible. It's gone. I'm done. I know people that have walked away from God because they read this verse and thought they could never be saved again. This has nothing to do with a particular sin. Maybe before you were saved, you were struggling with drugs and alcohol. Maybe before you were saved, you struggled with pornography or gossip or anger or, you know, stealing. I don't know, whatever your sin was. And you got saved and you walked with God and then all of a sudden you, you fell back into it. And then you go, oh man, I fall, that's it, I'm over, game on. I just read the verse, it says I can never be restored. That's not what it's talking about. It's about those not who have fallen into sin or convicted and want to get right with God. It's talking about those who reject Jesus Christ as Savior and turn away from Him never to return. Do you understand that? Let's make sure we grab a hold of that, okay? God does not want you to fall away and he holds you in his hand if staying near to him was up to you we'd be in trouble but he holds us in his hand it doesn't say we hold on to his hand he holds us he's holding us he's got his hand on us works-based salvation always falls short when you meet someone who's in a cult and i'm not going to get to the last two verses oh well but uh that's why we have next week amen here's the point though works-based salvation you see people so burdened you ever notice that you go down, they got the little table out, and they're putting in their hours so that God will love them. They come knock on your door, and they got to knock on so many doors so God will love them. That is so tragic, isn't it? Aren't you glad your salvation isn't based on that? Aren't you glad that it's all based on Him? So, it was Jewish Christians contemplating returning to Judaism and the great difference between falling and falling away. Again, we can fall, but that doesn't mean we've fallen away because the Holy Spirit has His hand upon each of us he's a great and an awesome god were they saved again if they were saved they would endure now i want to encourage you and we'll close with this the bible does say be holy for i'm holy the bible does say we should abide amen these are marks of spiritual maturity pressing in falling more in love with pursuing him with our whole heart that's the sign of someone who truly knows god you know what we're married to Jesus. We are His bride. And when you're married to somebody, it should, if you truly love them, it should not be a chore to talk to them, to spend time with them. Amen? And that's the relationship we have with the perfect groom who, who loves us and will never leave us nor forsake us. So He's not trying to achieve salvation, but walk in the power of it. Good works don't produce salvation. Salvation produces good works. Amen? So in closing... The idea is not if you fall away, you can't come back. The idea is if you turn your back on Jesus, don't expect to find salvation anywhere else. Amen? If you go back to the sacrifices, you will never find repentance there. You will never find salvation there. If you go anywhere but Jesus Christ, you will be lost. Guys, we don't have to go anywhere else. We found the answer. We found the truth. He drew us unto himself in the power of his Holy Spirit. He knows us best and he loves us most. What a great and an awesome God we serve. So a call to spiritual maturity to go beyond the basics from salvation into sanctification to fully grasp the consequences of rejecting Jesus, to stay in him. He's exhorting them full force. When we're saved, we will fall, but we will not fall away. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. 
the clarity of it. And Lord, I just pray and ask in Jesus' name, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, you'd open their eyes to the truth of who you are and their desperate need for you. Lord, there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. You're the only truth, the only hope, the only answer. Father, I pray for those of us who know you already, Lord, that we would not look at our salvation as the finish line, but the starting point. Lord, that you would be the foundation and we would build upon the, you would build upon the foundation in our lives to use us for your glory. Stir up the gifts within us. Help us, Lord, not to be ashamed with, of you. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. let's stand and close the worship song.